Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to Second uh, Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 4, and we'll read responsively through verse 10. Second Peter chapter 2. And verse 4, and shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word? Second Peter chapter 2, and verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds." The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And so if you look at uh, verse 7, it says, And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And uh, then it says that he uh, vexed his righteous soul at the end of verse 8 from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And so the goal is to have a peaceful, blessed, uh, godly existence, to be true to God and ourself. And so we want to look at this uh, this morning, the vexed soul I think it's very important. It applies to all of us. We've all dealt with this from time to time. Uh, God knows how to deliver. Amen. And He doesn't want us to vex our righteous soul. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that You'd bless the message. Uh, we yield Your Spirit the best way we know how. We pray that He'd direct us as to what to say and how to say it. The Word would not fall to the ground. Uh, but it would find good ground in our hearts. You'd give us ears to hear and a heart to receive it, to understand uh, the blessing of loyalty, no contradiction in our life, being true to Thee, and uh, the sadness and the sorrow of the vexed soul. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. We know that God hath called us to peace. God hath called us to peace with Him. And when we get peace with God, we will have peace with ourself. And it brings great fulfillment in our life, great uh, contentment in our life. We will need nothing. Uh, we could say there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Now, if this is going to happen, we have to understand two things. You have a nature of your soul. If you're saved, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. So you have the nature, if you're saved, 
you have a righteous soul. Number two, you have the environment that you subject yourself to. And so the environment that we choose to subject ourselves to must harmonize with the nature of our soul. So if we contradict this in what we see and hear as it talks about what Lot did, this is going to vex the soul. But if we separate and we have wisdom and we're true to ourselves, we will have peace with God, peace with ourselves, and we will have this great, overwhelming, abundant life of uh, the contentment and the fulfillment of being true to Christ. So a contradiction is the result of being a hypocrite. If you're a hypocrite, that means something does not match in your life. The inside does not match the outside. Or what you think does not match what you say. Or what you say does not match what you do. That's a hypocrite. Whenever you have hypocrisy, what causes that? It, for the Christian, it's always through some type of compromise. You cater to the flesh or the world, you make some type of exception uh, of what you subject yourself to, what you see or hear, that does not coincide with who you are in your soul. And so when you make these subtle compromises, it seems very small, but it leads to great suffering, sorrow, could even end in death. So what does the Bible teach us? Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord of hosts. Touch not the unclean thing. I will be a father unto you. You'll be a son unto me. And so our life and the decisions, the environment we surround ourselves with, should coincide with the nature of our soul. If you have a righteous soul, you ought to do everything you can to live a righteous life. And whenever you compromise, you become hypocritical because your soul nature does not match what you surround yourself with. So if you see things you're not supposed to see, or you hear things you're not supposed to hear, this is going to torment the soul. Even though you're saved, you're righteous in the sight of God just uh, by, uh, by faith, you will have this sorrow of the vexation of the soul. So the goal, be get right with God, get saved, be true to Christ, be true to yourself, then and only then can you have inner peace. You can love yourself. You can actually like yourself. You know, a lot of people don't like themselves. They just, they're full of sorrow. They're sad. Uh, they don't even like living with themselves. The whole reason is you're seeing and hearing things that are vexing. You are allowing yourself to see things and hear things that are not in harmony with your righteous soul. So the worldliness brings vexation. What is vexation? The word vex means, and, and by the way, it never has a good connotation. Vexing is always evil. It always has a, a wicked intent of malevolence, and it always 
brings harm to someone else, or someone else might bring harm to you, or the inner travail of the soul of the sadness of the spiritual vexing. So you have uh, evil people, evil places, evil things, evil spirits, evil thoughts, attacks physically, attacks spiritually. You could have attacks financially and, or on your possessions, but we're always tempted to go astray from the straight and narrow way to think biblically, have the mind of Christ, be renewed in the spirit of our mind, and transform by it so that our soul is in unity with the righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm trying to encourage us this morning. It's going to start off discouraging. Hopefully, if you listen to the end, it's very encouraging. The vexed soul, very sad, very sorrowful, not being right with God. It's very grieving. It's very self-torturing that the soul is vexed. So you can be vexed in uh, two ways, physically and spiritually. Physically, the word means to be in a rage or to be violent or to maltreat someone. Or someone else is angry and mistreats you. So what does the Bible tell us about physical vexation? It says, Thou shalt not vex a stranger. You should always be kind to visitors, people that are new in the community, people that you run across. You should never vex a stranger. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 15, the Israel said, Egypt vexed us when they made us slaves and were cruel and uh, taskmasters over us. They vexed us. In Numbers 25, 17 and 18, uh, the Bible says, God told Israel, vex the Midianites and smite them. Treat them malevolently, that's malevolently, excuse me, uh, violently. Hurt them. Seek their harm. In Psalm 2.5, the Bible says in a prayer of imprecation, it says, vex them with sore displeasure. In 2 Chronicles 15.6, it says, God did vex them with all adversity. There's nothing like it when you're being vexed. You're being attacked. Things aren't going well. You're struggling one thing leads to another. You're backed into a corner. Problems are on every side physically, but it's worse spiritually. It's worse when your soul becomes vexed. In Acts chapter 12, verse 1, talking about the persecution of the New Testament church, it says they had hands to vex the hearts of of many. Their goal was to vex the New Testament church. So what is the opposite of vexation? Peace, protection, serenity, safety, love, contentment, uh, unity. 
these types of things. So that's the first type of vexing is physically. The second type is spiritual torture. It's a vexation where you know you're not right with God and you're defiled by the compromises you made and you know that you need to get a change and repent and a turn from certain things, places and things, people that you see and hear, but you're not doing it. And your righteous soul is vexed. The word means to cramp, put the pressure on, to become narrower, it means pangs, like going through childbirth, and it means to be afflicted with evil in the soul. And the word means feeding or grasping after, but never fulfilled. So someone who has a vexation of soul, they're lusting after things. When they get it, it'll never make them happy. When they buy it, it's a waste of money. When they long for it, it's a theft. It's a, it's, a, it's a thief that steals their love of God. It's a feeding and grasping after. And what that does when you're never fulfilled, this causes deep sorrow, deep, deep grief. You know, uh, Brother Sampariba had the loss of a loved one. Uh, you know, we praying for him and uh, comfort, and we can all relate to that the grief and the sadness and the sorrow of the loss of uh, a loved one. But how many people talk about the grief and the sorrow of a vexed soul? I'm not right with God. I'm not doing what God made me to do. I'm not where God wants me to be. I am in the wrong, I'm seeing the wrong things. I'm hearing the wrong things. It brings a great vexation. This leads to further description of the word. It means to be spoiled and your possessions stolen. The blessings of God, the prosperity of God, the freedom in Christ is taken from us because we're seeing things, hearing things that is not in harmony with our righteous soul. You, you look at the word deeper. It means to labor down or to be beat down, literally to be beat down. And then when you're there, they call it putting the boots to them, kicked while you're down. And it means to wear out with much labor. I'm just so vexed. I'm so tired in my soul because I've allowed things in my life that God does not intend them to be. It means to be harassed, and it means to be oppressed, and it means to be touchstone. The word means go to the bottom, to the absolute bottom. You know, they say some people, they never hit bottom. They hit bottom, they get a shovel, they just keep digging. They think they hit rock bottom. That's not rock bottom. They'll find dynamite, blow a hole. They're, they're not through with their sin yet. They're not, they're not fed up with vexing their soul yet. They're just going to go deeper. I mean, how much lower can a person go? How much lower than certain uh, people go that is running the world right now? So when you add all this up and you see the big description, it means to be tormented. 
It, it literally means to be tortured, and it's the same word of somebody burning in hell who's lost forever and ever, but a righteous person, their soul can be vexed because they're just so miserable because they're doing things, seeing things, hearing things that is contrary to what God has saved them to be. And, and the word means to be struck with pain. It's such a sad, sorrowful thing to have vexation of soul. We've all experienced this to some degree. We've allowed ourselves to see things and hear things and to be in certain places that is not the will of God. And it brings great sorrow. Now, what's the opposite of that? I'm happy. I can smile. I'm not faking it. This is real. God set me free. I got saved, and I'm trying to live God's salvation. This is true. It's real. I have zeal, and I have a peace. And I can't explain it, but God gave it to me. And it all starts out with, are you allowing yourself to see and hear what God does not want you to see and hear? Or will you be true to Christ? In Job chapter 19, verse 2, when God was testing Job, he said, How long will ye vex my soul? In Ezekiel 32, verse 9, he said, I will also vex the hearts of many. In Deuteronomy 28, 20, the Palestinian covenant God made with Israel, he said, I shall send upon thee cursing and vexation if you do not keep my covenant. In 2 Samuel 13, 2, Amnon, when he lusted after his own half-sister, uh, Tamar, and raped her, Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick. You know, a lot of Christians are sick physically because they have a vexed soul. They have no smile, no spring in their step. They're not lifted up. They're always pushed down, and they're sad and sorrowful and beat down, and they play the victim all the time rather than being victorious through faith in Christ. 2 Kings 4.27 says, For her soul is vexed within her, sorrowfully vexed. And Job 27.2 says, The Almighty, who hath vexed my soul? In Psalm 6, 2, it says, Heal me. Now, David is saying this, Heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is sore vexed. When it gets into your bones, and David said his loins had a loathsome disease when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and God judged him. His righteous soul was sore vexed. His righteous soul, the bones, needed to be healed by God. And what does the Bible tell us? That our health comes out of our bones. It'll, it'll come out of our navel. If you get right with God, the bone marrow will be healthy. The red bone, uh, 
the uh, blood cells and the white corpuscles. God will heal us. All these things will spring forth. But all of us have been guilty of this from time to time. Uh, you need to recognize it quickly confess it, repent it, get back to the will of God, don't live in a state of vexation. And this is what happened to Lot, and we'll look at this, Lot moved to the wrong place, saw the wrong things, heard the wrong things, lived around the wrong people, influenced his family in an evil way, and the whole thing was not a blessing, it was a vexation. Oh, he made money, but his soul was vexed. He had a good standard of living, but his soul was vexed. The, the more mature you get and the more spiritually aware you become, you would say, I had rather just get by financially, but have a peace in my soul. I would not trade the peace in my soul for any dollar amount. We need the Lord's turning. We need a revival. You know, if the people in this room would turn from vexation, you'd be so happy. You'd be so fulfilled. You'd have such a smile on your face. We would be set free from these external stimuli, but not just that, the sorrowful soul. You know what Paul said? If I make you sorrowful, how can you make me happy? But if you're happy, you can make me happy. And if I'm happy, I can be used of God to make you happy. But if you have a bunch of Christians who have a vexed soul, nobody's happy. And you may fake it, you may smile, you may say the right thing, sing the songs, come to church. That the goal is to get our soul right in harmony with your salvation. So, there are three aspects of uh, vexation when I studied this. This is very important. Number one, life itself is vexing. So, when you look at the grasping after, the feeding upon, the sorrows, the disappointments, the attacks, life itself is vexing. It is. Ecclesiastes 1.14, Solomon said, the wisest man who ever lived, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Everything is. It doesn't matter if you reach your goal, it's still empty. It doesn't matter if you get your way, it's still empty. It doesn't matter if you get a raise, it's still empty. If you get a new vehicle or buy a new home or something good happens, it's still Nothing but emptiness. It is vexation. He said that in Ecclesiastes 1.14, 1.17, chapter 2, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 17, and in chapter 2, verse 22, one of the most vexing things about life is you work your whole life. You save, you scrimp. That's what they used to say in Oklahoma. You save and you scrimp. You manage, you're frugal, and then when you die, you can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. And somebody usually is going to spend that and waste it after you did all the work and after you suffered and managed and we came into this world with nothing. It is certain we shall leave this world 
with nothing. And Solomon said when he, when he analyzed it at the end of his life, this is one of the saddest things. This is vexing. He goes, all is vanity and vexation. So life itself is vexing. I mean, do we want a vexed soul on top of a vexation of the life out here in the world? I don't. I know you don't. We want the victory in Christ. So number two, the second aspect of this is to be inflicted by others. To have this vexation brought upon you by somebody else. And the word is uh, evil men, evil spirits that want to do you harm. They have a bad attitude. You know, there's some people, they wake up uh, in a bad attitude and they just want to take it out on somebody else. It's vexing. They got a, there's road rage, there's anger, there's people who um, are confused out there in the world. They say hurtful things. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They say wicked things on purpose. In Matthew 15, 22, uh, when Jesus came and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us in His earthly ministry, one of the things He did was set people free who had a vexed spirit, who were vexed by an evil spirit who came into their life. So just remember, a Christian cannot be possessed. Only a lost person can be possessed. But a Christian can be oppressed by a spirit of vexation. Don't forget that. Uh, in Matthew 15, 22, it says, He is grievously vexed with the devil. You know, when we're dealing with these people, they're not having a good time. They're being tormented. They may think they're having fun. They're not. Deep inside, if the reality was known, they're being vexed by a devil or an evil spirit. In Matthew 17, 15, it says, For he is a lunatic and sore vexed. Now, a lunatic is someone who's controlled by the phases of the moon. When the full moon comes, uh, the gravitational pull on the earth and the oceans affects their soul. They are lunatic. You know, when we were kids, they had Looney Tunes, the cartoons, uh, lunacy. That, that's where it came from. Uh, lunatics by somebody vexed with a moon spirit. They can't handle the full moon. Uh, Jesus set them free. In Luke 6, 18, he says he healed them that were vexed with unclean spirits. That's what Christ came to do. He came to set the captive free he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to give peace to those who are vexed. Amen. Number three, and this is what we're talking about in our text, 2 Peter 2 with uh, Lot. You can have infliction of self. You can bring this on yourself. That's what Lot did. That's what every Christian does. Why? You have free will. You decide where your body goes. You decide who you associate with. You will decide what you allow yourself to see. And you will decide what you hear. So it can be the world doing it, somebody else trying to vex us, or, sad to say, for the child of God, 
we often do it to ourselves. So here was Lot, the nephew of Abraham, the father of the faithful, the friend of God, living in a sinful place, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he had sin in his life. He made a bad choice. He made several bad choices. But the saddest part of all is he didn't change till it was too late. He stayed in a lifestyle of vexation. He lived in a vexing place. Some of the most uh, amazing verses that uh, pertain to this, in Isaiah 65, verse 14, it says that the wicked shall howl for vexation of spirit. You know, in hell, they're howling right now, howling like wolves, crying out, tortured, oh yes, by the fire, oh yes, by being bound hand and feet and have their teeth broken out and their bones broken and their eyes plucked out by evil birds, crying out for one drop of water to quench their thirst. What's the worst part? The shame and the disgrace. It's the vexation of the torture of the soul. In Isaiah 63, 10, this is scary. They rebelled and vexed His Holy Spirit. When God's people disobey Him and rebel against His Word and His will, the Holy Spirit is troubled. The Holy Spirit is vexed. Think about it. So in the text, let me give you the background. Most of us are familiar with this. It's really an amazing story. Lot, as I said, ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time, seeing and hearing the wrong things, had a family, stayed there that long, had a bad influence on his family. His wife ends up dying and his two son-in-laws, and his whole life falls apart, but he had plenty of money and he had a good job. He was even in the government. But he lost everything else. And the worst part, his soul was tormented. So it says he vexed his righteous soul. But what is the good news? God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So what, how did this happen? He, he vexed his soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The filth. Can you, we can only imagine the perverted things he saw and heard. Living in Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the wickedness of what he saw and heard. You know, a lot of Christians will say, I'll never say that word, but yeah, you'll sure listen to somebody else say it. You'll say, well, I will never do that. Well, why would you watch somebody else do it on the television? You are vexing your righteous soul. You're compromising in hypocrisy and no good will ever come from it. The only thing that's going to happen, our soul is going to grasp and feed after, never be fulfilled, work down, toil down, beat down, kicked while we're down, sad grief of loss of the blessings and the peace of God. So, it's very simple. He saw things he shouldn't have seen. He heard things he shouldn't have heard. 
and it was filthy conversation, the lifestyle, and they had unlawful deeds. So he brought this, sad to say, all upon himself. So let's take a few steps back in the cause and effect sequence of the chronological events. Why did this happen that caused Lot's righteous soul to be vexed from day to day? No, it wasn't just for five minutes, or wasn't it? He saw something and said, man, this is not right. I'm getting out of this or getting out of here. It happened daily over a period of extended time. Now, you don't have to turn to it, uh, but for a lack of time, this is all in Genesis chapter 13, and then the judgment falls in Genesis 19. It all started out with a disagreement. There was strife. Abraham's flocks and his herdmen could not get along with Lot and his herdmen, and there wasn't enough land for the goats and the sheep to graze upon and not enough water, and they started bickering. They couldn't get along. They started arguing, and it got to the point where it was so contentious that Abraham and Lot had a meeting, and Abraham is the great man that he is. He said, all right, Lot, I'll tell you what. There's the whole plain before you. You decide where you want to move. And he says, if you go that way, I'm going that way. And if you go over there, I'm going to go over there. You get to decide. And the whole plain uh, of the land was before him. And the Bible says Lot in foolishness and selfishness and a lack of wisdom. He lifts up his eyes and he sees this well-watered plain. It's green, it's fertile, there's live water, uh, there's cities. It looks like the economy is flourishing. Everything is developing and growing. And so he chooses to move to Sodom. It's an unbelievable, foolish decision. He sees the commerce. He sees the infrastructure. He, he sees the high standard of living. This righteous man moves his family to Sodom, and eventually, what happens to everybody? He becomes tone deaf spiritually. His conscience is uh, seared. He's calloused, hardened in his heart, and he knows it's wrong. He knows he shouldn't be there. He knows he's seeing and hearing evil, wicked things. He knows that it's a great perversion uh, all in that land. But he becomes part of the society. He works his way to sit in the gate. He becomes in the government, works his way up. And the sad part is his wife loves it. She, lo she loves it so much, she doesn't want to leave it. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. She turns back, turns into a pillar of salt, is judged. His son-in-laws don't respect him. He loses all their respect. And he offends his daughters. All this evil comes upon him. But you know what's the worst? He vexed his righteous soul. 
When you have a righteous soul that is justified before God and has imputed righteousness, the very righteousness of Christ recorded to his record, and it's just as if they've never sinned, past, present, future, all the sins are paid for through the shed blood of Christ on Calvary, His death, burial, resurrection. And then that righteous soul is tormented by seeing and hearing what it is not supposed to see or hear. It's one of the saddest things on earth. And you can't even explain it. You can't describe it fully. If you've experienced it, you just know this is wicked, perverted. I'm in the wrong place. I need to repent. I need to get out of this. I need to get my family out of this. I need a fresh start. I need to turn back to God. So what's the saddest part? When God told Abraham he's going to do it, he said, how can I hide this thing from Abraham, my friend? Abraham negotiates with God. We know the story. Finally, he said, if you find 10 righteous, will you spare the city? He said, yes, I will. And when Christ, a, a, a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ with the angels, they go into Sodom. They tell um, Lot to get out. You know what it says he did? He lingered. He, he hung around a while. He procrastinated. He didn't get out. He didn't do what God was telling him. Right there, Jesus Christ leading him out. And he lingered, and his wife loved it so much, she looked back. And she turned into a pillar of salt. And we know what happened. God rained fire and brimstone and overthrew the cities in the plain. And the Bible says in Romans 15, the things which were written aforehand were written for our learning. I don't have to do what Lot did. I can learn from what Lot did. I know it never works out in the world. It never pays off to allow yourself to see and hear things which are perverted and ungodly, where all the Sodomites were in uh, probably the Hermaphrodites, all this wicked stuff going on in Sodom. So what does the Bible say? In verse 7, he delivered just Lot. Just Lot got delivered. And he knoweth how to deliver the ungodly, or excuse me, the godly from temptation. Now, here's the good news. We've all been oppressed. We've all allowed ourselves to compromise and see and hear things we shouldn't see and hear. All of us. The good news is, Christ came to deliver us from that. Christ came to set us free. Christ came so you can be at peace and love yourself and not be tormented. And you know, there's a lot of people, and I, I've, I've seen it th throughout the decades. They have indigestion. They can't sleep. They have anxiety. They have anger raging in their heart. They're scared to death. They have no peace. They're in total turmoil. They can't get along, and they don't see the cause. And for many of them, the main cause is they're vexing their righteous soul. They're allowing themselves to be subjected to things. You're not supposed to see it. You're not supposed to hear it. 
And when you turn to Christ and he sets you free, you know, I can't explain it. The chains fall off. The prison doors open wide. You're set free. And you walk out and you have total freedom and the peace of your your life what you see in here and the people that you associate with the places you go all these aspects of life is in harmony with your righteous soul and you have this freedom but you know the next thing that's going to happen the temptation is going to come and the devil's going to set us up and the world is very alluring as it appeals to the lust of the flesh. To do what? See what you're not supposed to see. Hear what you're not supposed to hear. And one of the greatest verses in the Bible, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. I don't know if you've ever fasted. I'd encourage you to try it. It's suffering to the flesh. If you've ever fasted, over the period of time where you begin to get detoxified and your body gets clean, cleaner, and the lights are brighter, colors are more vivid. If you, you know what I'm talking about if you've ever done it. Life is just buzzing, and you feel clean. You're afraid to eat. You're afraid to eat something bad with preservatives or these types of things because as soon as you do you can start i'm losing some clarity i'm now i'm getting toxins again and you can relate that to the vexed soul when god sets you free what does the bible say you are free indeed free indeed and his servants shall serve him and what does the devil want to do in the world vex our righteous soul. The good news, if there's any vexation, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Amen. All right, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'd ask that no one is leaving, no one is looking around. I want you to think about